worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the wonderful singing and praising of his name. Let's all stand together and sing our first couple of songs this morning. Blessing and honor, glory and power, the ancient of days. Love every nation, all of creation, bow before the ancient of days. Every song in heaven and earth shall declare your glory. Every knee shall bow at your and honor, glory and power, be unto the ancient of days. From every nation, all of creation, bow before the ancient of days. Every tongue in heaven and earth shall declare your glory, every knee shall bow at your
find a way Bring me back to you welcome you to worship at Yorkfield today and also to uh, the table of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Come and be filled. You are welcome. It is your table as well. Um, today is um, the anniversary of a very special event in the life of the Reformed tradition of Presbyterians. John Calvin, you may have heard of him, that's his picture up there, he turned 500. This is the 500th anniversary of his birthday this week. We knew that you'd be impressed by that. And rumor has it, we've been kind of, we heard something about this, there's a slight rumor going around that John may actually be here for worship today, which would be good because 
Uh, we're going to try and talk about some of his most famous doctrines, election, predestination, double predestination. It would be great to have his help for that. So hopefully he'll be showing up. Also, uh, just to let you know some things that are coming, you can read about a lot of things in the bulletin there. Um, in a little moment, when the children's uh, moment comes, the, uh, the ushers will come by for the offering. And uh, there's a little tear-off tab that you can put in the offering then. Um, next week is our annual church picnic. It'll be at 1230. It'll be more or less after the second service at the Salt Creek Park. And um, there'll be games. Uh, it's also a corn boil. There's a lot of stuff going on at a corn boil, picnic, a lot of stuff. Um, a lot of things to do for the whole family. So come, enjoy, have, enjoy that afternoon. Then in two weeks, two weeks from today, it's hard to believe it is almost here, but the Run for Hunger comes on the 26th of July. Uh, we have folks signing up right now. There'll be a number of folks that'll be running in that event. You can help support the race by running in it yourself or in the, the kids' fun run that's right afterwards. There's a half-mile fun run also. Or uh, if, you, if you are not going to run, we'd love to have you volunteer. We need uh, probably uh, 40 or 50 folks on the day of the race to help it really go well, maybe even 60 now that I think about it, uh, to stand out on the, ray, on, the, on the course of direct folks, to help cut up food uh, for the post-race uh, festivities and all of that. Um, sign up. There's a place for you to do that uh, on the bulletin, and uh, we'll, we'll be loving to have you that day. And by the way, um, in two weeks, there will be just a single service that day. The race is at 8. The kids' fun run will be right after the race. There will be a, an award ceremony right here on the front steps. And then at 9.30 only that day, there'll be worship here in the sanctuary. It is a runner's worship, which means you could come um, very relaxed. Not that the average Yorkfield um, worshiper is not relaxed otherwise, but I will not be wearing this, I guarantee you, on the 26th. So if you want to come in your running shirts and shorts and running shoes, that would be great that day as well. And then one other announcement, it is also rapidly approaching the first week of August. Crocodile Dock Vacation Bible School. We're, I'm not sure how it works. Every year we have this. This year somehow the bayou and uh, the stories of the Bible are going to work themselves out in this wonderful way. We, we'll just have to see how that happens. Vacation Bible School, first week of August. If you have not signed up, uh, you need to do that. Or if you have friends that you know that want to be in it, because we are rapidly reaching um, our limit on, on the folks that we can take. We, we, what do we max out at, Deb? Like 110 or 20 or 120. And we've actually reached that uh, in the last couple of years, so I encourage you to sign up. I'll let you read the rest of the stuff that's going on there as the ushers are coming for the offering. Kids, if you have offering, you can come up as well. I have a little basket for you. But children of the congregation, come on up for our morning lesson together. All right, it is good to see you guys. Good work. All right. Today, if John Calvin shows up, and even if he doesn't, we're going to talk about this thing called election. You know what election is? Have you heard of an election? What's an election? Hmm? Go for it. You vote for a president, like President Obama. We just There was an election for him in November, right? Or mayors, you're right, other folks like that. And, and we vote. That's, that's exactly right. In fact, uh, today also we're ordaining and installing some new leaders in our church. 
And a few weeks back, we voted for them. We elected them to come and uh, be our leaders. Well, God also elects people. Have you ever heard that, that God elects people? But that seems weird, doesn't it? What kind of an election would that be? Who would God be voting with? You know? If God says, I vote for you, does God win the election then? Who else would be voting? Nobody. You're right. It's just God. An election, it's like God says, when we talk about God's election, it's a way of saying that God chooses. God chooses you. And God chooses you and you. In, in election, it's this famous thing that the Bible tells us that, that from the beginning of time, from before you were born even, that God knew who you were going to be. Can you believe that? He knew that you were going to be Samantha Kane. He knew that. He knew that you were going to be a Sutphin. He knew that you were going to be a Bodhi. He knew all these things. And from the beginning, he also said, I choose you. I choose you from before the beginning of time. Before you even know who God is. You know, in the first service, we had a little guy come to be baptized. He didn't even know who God is. His name is Daniel Heflin. He is barely one. I don't think he is even one year old. He doesn't know who God is. But in baptism, we're reminded that God reaches out to Daniel and says, you belong to me. I choose you, even though you don't know who I am yet. Someday you'll know. So isn't that a wonderful thing, that God reaches out before we even know who God is and begins to bring us to himself, to to start that relationship. He says, I choose you. I choose you to love and to care for you. I'm going to always be with you. I'm going to always be on your side. You guys ever play games where you choose up teams? And, and, And somebody says, I choose you, and I choose you, and I choose you. God is doing that. God is choosing you to be on his team. What do you think? You want to be on that team? He's chosen you from the beginning of time to be on his team. That's amazing, isn't it? Since before you knew him. Since before you were born. Wow. Pretty amazing. Since before I was born. And that was like when dinosaurs were on the earth. You're not even laughing. You believe that. That's scary. Oh, even before John Calvin was born, you think. And that was a while ago. Let's give thanks to God for that amazing thing. Loving God, we thank you that, that you didn't just create the world and say, gee, I wonder what will happen. But from the very beginning, you've had a plan. And that even before we were born, you knew us. And that you've chosen us to love us and care for us always. And we thank you for that very much. And all God's people say, Amen. Well, I'm thinking that in honor of John Calvin and the Reformation, that we're going to move this pulpit right into the center of the chancel here. Because, if you remember the watchwords of the Reformation, you remember what they were? There's sort of three of them. 
Grace alone, we're saved by grace alone. Faith alone, we're saved by faith, not by any works that we can do, but also we believe in Scripture alone, and not just in the interpretations of, of men and women, but in what the Bible says, Scripture alone. So the Reformation always puts the word of the Bible front and center, and so kind of in honor of Calvin, we'll put the, this pulpit in the center today. I'm going to read for you um, two uh, pieces of scripture, as you see from Ephesians 1 and Romans 8. And these are those passages, a couple of the ones in the, in the Bible, that, that suggest these doctrines that Calvin uh, worked so hard to develop, and, and Augustine and others before him. Before we read them, though, let's ask God to open our hearts and minds. Let us pray. Lord, we come to read your holy word to us, not like any other word, but a word that is enlivened by your Holy Spirit. We pray that you make our hearts soft and open to receive that word. Open our minds and give us ears to hear, as you would say to those who your Son spoke to so many times. Give us ears to hear as well. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Ephesians 1.3 begins, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus. Who's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be homely, to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. And then these words from Paul to the church at Rome. Paul tells him, We know that all things work together for good for those who love God who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. This is the word of the Lord. And a few uh, share this with me, but I find that these are challenging words and uh, difficult concepts. You know, those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be in the image of his son. Does that mean that God sort of controls every part of our destiny that, and we're just kind of like puppets and God is some master puppeteer? What about free will? What about human freedom? How do those things fit in? In fact, these concepts, I think, are so difficult that I am really anxious about trying to do them justice. And so that's why I was hoping that, uh, that John Calvin would show up today and, and really be able to help us understand that. But I don't see him, in which is making me just a little bit anxious because I had sort of, wait a minute, who is that? Oh my goodness. Ladies and gentlemen, 
if I'm not mistaken, sisters and brothers in Christ, I present to you, scholar and lawyer, pastor of Geneva, Switzerland, shining light of the, of the 16th century Reformation, John Calvin. Professor, wait a second. What, 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 what are you carrying there? Oh. Let me see. Am I right? Yes. Oh my goodness. Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion. Can you believe that he first wrote these in their original editions at the age of 26? Very, very impressive. <laughs> but these aren't my copies, my boy. Oh, they're not? No, I, I took them off the bookshelf in your office. And I must say that they are, well... <laughs> I'm rather surprised well, you to should, find them. So, surprised? Well, you shouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, any any Reformed pastor, any certainly any Presbyterian pastor worth his salt would have copies of the Institutes to uh, reflect on. To find them so little red. I would. <laughs> uh, well, um, things have changed a little in 500 years. Trust me on that. Uh, meetings. I have a lot of me. I have like a session. I got like worship meetings, 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 meetings. Really, no, not not much time at all for life of the mind. Not 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 much. Well, I must say, I don't understand. You see, I was a pastor and teacher and a scholar and still managed to find some time to raise three kids. And play skittles on Saturday afternoons. Yeah, but but you were Superman. You were Wunderkind. You were the scholar of the of the century. And I'm you know just a I'm a, just a pastor. Quit trying to bother me off. When you remember. Oh. Oh. Not call me. Better that you would call me professor. professor. Yes, because like any student, you have a feeling much to learn. So let's get started, shall we? Hmm. All right then, we'll get started. And by the way, I brought some questions, and we're going to get right to it here. We'll let you take the place of prominence. Yes, I'm so glad you. Oh, it's your question, because, see, I knew I was talking. So, I bought some answers. <laughs> well, okay. In that case, let's get right down to it. No beating around the bush. I'm just going to ask you right off. We're going to get to the heart of the matter. Now, you said in your doctrines of election and predestination that before the beginning of time that God predestined some to go to heaven and some to go straight to... Ah, <laughs> no, no, no. You see, um, my boy, you're getting so far ahead of yourself. Just, I am? Yes, slow down a moment. You see, first of all, the doctrine of election the doctrine of election 
seeks to answer some of life's most Why was I made this particular person? What is my purpose? What am I supposed to be? Now, one way to approach this quite popular in your society of today, I'm afraid, is to say that everything, including our own birth, our own death, should be abandoned with no underlying need of us. That our lives are simply biological acts no more purpose pass along the answer why questions of why am I here Called us in being, knows us each and that God has chosen to give us a future and a hope. Those are very impressive words, I must say. I feel the urge that I need to point some things out as we go along here. So I'm just going to say here that. It still seems to me like God is kind of really far removed and, and, and aloof from the whole business of, of humankind. No, 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 by, by, by no means. You see, election teaches us the language in Scripture. The language of intimacy. If God has chosen us, then God has Notice us. Look at this language. Uh, in scripture. Uh, uh, Need something? You have a Bible? Oh, Bible. Let's see. Let me see. There might be one right here. What do you think? Will NRSV do? Um, you have nothing in the original Greek. Well, I. Got something in my office, I can I can go get that. New. Yeah. It's not bad. Revised, I like that, I must say. Always been the big one on Reformation. Well, all right, so um, here, here, I'm going to 
I'm showing you now the uh, language of Hosea, three. On that day, says the Lord, you will call me my and no longer call me my mm -hmm. And I will take for you my wife forever. I will take you for my wife in righteousness and justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. Mm -hmm. I will take you for my wife in faith. Mm -hmm. And you shall know the Lord. You shall know the Lord, mm -hmm. husband and wife. Knowing, oh, ah, ha, ha, say no more. <laughs> Pity and a bit stuff, eh? <laughs> um, professor, I'm a little surprised, actually. I'm not sure my worship commission here would let me do that. Um, <laughs> Did they approve that in your day? Don't be such a Puritan. Look, in my theology, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves are closely intertwined. You see, on the one hand, election tells us something most profound. Election tells us that God before we were God and God called us and God called us into me and God does not merely create us. He's determined to be for us, to, to be with us. He doesn't really uh, create us and leave us to our own devices. God has a special place for us. God's there no more. Election tells us something important about the character of ourselves as well. It tells us that we are loved and accepted by our heavenly parents. But more than that, it calls that we have been created for a special place in God's heart. We are called to be God's people and live in relationship. Um, it's, I hear that, but it seems to me also that, that um, you're saying more than that God knows us just by name and that we have some, some sort of unique relationship with God. Am I right about that? Well, absolutely. Election and, and predestination tell us that God is working in our lives to, to reconcile us, to redeem us. Hmm. That God... Wherever we might go, God has been there ahead of us. 
out our salvation ahead of time. Well, wait a second. I think that's the place where I have to stop you right there. Uh, you make it sound like not just that God has been making provision for us, but that he is also doing more than that, that he's perhaps um, actually trying to control us and, and, uh, and that, that, that maybe we're just you know, puppet, puppets. God's the great puppeteer. Is that not suggested in what you're saying? No, that can be perfectly clear. What you're talking about is predetermined. Far different from predestination. Hmm. In predeterminism, there is no free will. Because events are predetermined. And all choice. Any What does it mean? Say that, that that predestination, that in predestination, God ha- has given us a destiny um, ahead of time, b- before we were born. It means that God does not simply create us, throw us out, leave us alone, but rather that God comes. Yet, God does in such a way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, Peter, mm-hmm. he compares our, our future hope to the inheritance of the future that, that God has set before us. New birth into a living home hmm. and into an inheritance that is imperishable, a fire I understand this right. What you're saying that election does then is that election is about our being saved. That it is God reaching out to us, doing what we can't do for ourselves, namely saving us. It's all about salvation then. 
this well, doctrine of election. Yes, precisely. But, but wait, there's more. You see, election often shows that your person shows the Salvation of the land is so certain that the life of the people. Salvation of the elect is so certain that even if the whole fabric of the world doesn't fall apart, assurance of salvation. Well, then it is just about salvation. No. Our salvation is important, yes. But God never meant it as an But we speak of election. It isn't enough to realize that God knows us. God saves us. Also, God chooses us. And because he has chosen us, God empowers us. Well, are you saying then that, that salvation is not just a, a one-time thing, that, that it continues like the, the effects of salvation are ongoing? Yes, exactly. You said, oh. God may have chosen us before the foundation of the world, but the work out of our salvation is Wait, 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 wait. Are you trying to tell me you read modern American poets? Well, yes, of course. Why wouldn't I? If it's the truth, my boy, it's God's truth, no matter where it comes from. Huh? It's reformed, always reformed. Got me there. Still. Angelou expresses her amazement. The truth is that we are being empowered each and every day to come increasingly. Being elected by God as a Christian does not say that we have a special back, special Wait a minute. 
I was following along there pretty well, I think, but, but then you lost me at that last moral purpose. What's that? Right, let me put it to you this way. In my day, in the Medieval, people thought that only celibate monks would be living in true Christian vocation. From this corner will arise the singular consolation that no cast so sore so faithful will not shine. That is very precious. You use that word, though. Whatever someone chooses to do. So i got to stop you right there and say, well, what about this free will thing? It, you make it sound, uh, how is God predestined things, and what happened to human freedom? What, how do those, what goes on? How do those fit together? For all of your talk, you don't understand what freedom is. You confuse freedom of choice. That's not true freedom. True freedom is to be who we were created. That is certainly well said, but I think you've put me off long enough. I want to—you've said a lot about how God says yes to us in election and in predestination, but what about those times? And this is your own writing. What about those times when God says no to us? And I'm talking about this doctrine of yours of double predestination, where you say clearly that some that God has predestined to go to heaven, there are those, but there are others that God has predestined to go to hell. And 
I believe you invoked that when you burned that fellow Servetus at the stake. What about that? Perhaps that wasn't my finest hour. Ah? <laughs> uh -huh. You see, it, it isn't as if I made up the whole going to hell thing. I mean, follow with logic. If some are called that others might be called somewhere else. Well, Augustine thought of it first. Oh, it's his fault, I see. Oh, even Jesus Christ had a lot to say about the sheep and the goats, you know. True. I sense here that maybe, just maybe a little bit, after 450 years of additional reflection, you are suggesting that maybe you're not holding that strongly to your doctrine of double predestination. Is that right? Well, what then? What? 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 Are you telling me now that, that you read Maya Angelou and you read Karl Barth? And are you telling me that you haven't read Barth either? Meetings. Lots and lots of meetings. Yeah. Oh, a little. Explain to me about you and Bob. I gotta hear this. Bob does not mean God calls God can some, but rejects others. Rather than God reaches out for all humanity. God says yes for all For the love of Christ urges us because we are convinced that one has died for all. And he died for all. So that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but
barter, barter, no barter. Let's put him aside for now. I still don't understand how even 500 years ago, 450 years ago, you could harbor a doctrine like double predestination that God from the beginning of time is casting some folks in hell. How could you do that? How, how does anybody believe that? He's so quick to judge. Take a look around. Okay. How many people act as if they believe in just such a secular form? the way they treat their fellow human beings in the economic and the social. How many in Elmhurst act as if they have uh, been economically predestined to a life of affluence? And of all those for suffering, say 24,000 a day die of malnutrition, die of salvation. What about that? Are we to cast a blind eye upon them because it would appear that apparently God had predestined them to say no? He says no, he says no. You see what we believe. Not, not one of our best chapters of history. And it's true as well. I meant for the doctrine of predestination to be chosen as the last means that not only do our individual lives make a difference in God, I just can't believe that you become a follower of Karl Barth. That you're a Bardian. I'm no Bard. But I think there is a lesson in all of this for all of us. And that is, again, that reform always reform. Hmm. Well, if you knew me beyond the few passages, you would realize that all my life, Okay. 
final lesson. Well, John, um, I want to thank you for coming here and reforming our uh, understanding of the doctrines of election and predestination, and especially double predestination, and to let you know that we have elected some folks here to be leaders of our church, and we are about to ordain and install them. We believe also that they were elected through the Holy Spirit. I was wondering if you would stay and participate in that laying on of hands for those folks. Would you do that? I would be honored. Well, very well. Oh, and one other thing. This is a, a, a kind of a tradition we have in America in the 21st century. I don't know if they did this in Switzerland back in your day. This is, uh, we understand, your 500th birthday. Should we sing, do you think? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear John. I mean, Professor. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Thank you so much. But I, I, I must uh, at least give this to you for the extinguishing of the flame. You see, I, I'm a little afraid. <laughs> I, I thought it was interesting how apparently God had predestined your mustache to fall off as well. <laughs> Let us sing together.
I would like to ask the deacons and elders-elect if they would come forward. A few weeks ago, um, the nominating committee of our church brought the names of these folks to be leaders in our congregation. We believe as Presbyterians we have the audacity as followers of Christ to believe that the Holy Spirit was also involved in that election and that the Holy Spirit has spoken not just to the nominating committee, not just to those of us who voted, but also in your heart to have you accept uh, these positions of leadership. And now that you've come here, you've been elected, uh, you have gone through some training, a little more on the job training for some of you, you come now, some, uh, to be uh, installed as elders and deacons and some of you to be ordained for the first time. As you come, uh, we ask you these questions. Do you now trust in Jesus Christ, your Savior, and acknowledge him Lord of all and head of the church, and through him believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Do you? Do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be, by the Holy Spirit, the unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ in the church universal and God's word to you? 
Do you sincerely receive and adopt the essential tenets of the Reformed faith as expressed in the confessions of our church as authentic and reliable expositions of what Scripture leads us to believe and do? And will you be instructed and led by those confessions as you lead the people of God? Will you? Will you fulfill your office in obedience to Jesus Christ under the authority of Scripture and be continually guided by our confessions? Will you? Will you be governed by our church's polity? And will you abide by its discipline? Will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry, working with them subject to the ordering of God's word and spirit? Will you? Will you, in your own life, seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, love your neighbors, and work for the reconciliation of the world? You promise to further the peace, unity, and purity of the church. And will you seek to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? Will you? And now for Elders Elect, Greg Pritikara, Ben Hurtig, this question for you. Will you be a faithful elder, watching over the people, providing for their worship, their nurture, and their service? Will you share in government and discipline, serving in governing bodies of the church and in your ministry? Will you try to show the love and the justice of Jesus Christ? And deacons. Will you be a faithful deacon, teaching charity, urging concern, directing the people's health to the friendless and those in need? And in your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? Will you? Will the congregation please rise? Do we, the members of Yorkfield Presbyterian Church, accept Joni Borchard, Ken Herdick, Nancy Koval, and Greg Perticara as elders, and Janet Cox, Dottie France, Connor Hughes, Cindy Herdick, and Steve Minconi as deacons, chosen by God through the voice of this congregation to lead us in the way of Jesus Christ? Do we? We do. Do we agree to encourage them to respect their decisions and to follow as they guide us, serving Jesus Christ, who alone is head of the church? Do we? We do. At this time, I would like to invite all of those who are on session, all who are elders of this church ordained in the past, any pastors who are present, if you would come forward, you are invited for the laying on of hands. And if we could... Have you turn around if you're being ordained today, if, it, if you're able to kneel right here, if not just to stand. Let us pray. Loving God, you whose grace is sufficient for all things, you who have called men and women to all ministries in your church, gifting them in many diverse and wonderful ways to lead and to serve, we ask now that you send your Holy Spirit upon each one of these 
Grant them wisdom and discernment, energy, imagination, and love. Give them your grace to serve you and this church throughout their ministry. Might they know your love surrounding them and holding them and empowering them. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. And now you who are elders and deacons of the church, may all that you do in this place be in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. If you would stand, we'll you have some folks that want to greet you into the church here, into your roles of leadership. Cindy? Welcome back, Cindy. Connor, welcome. Welcome. Greg. Welcome. Janet. Welcome to you. For those of you who are standing back there, please take a moment after the worship today to welcome them and to greet them. Uh, welcome them into the ministry of leadership in this church. I share with you this morning some joys and concerns from our faith community. Lucy Pillinger is continuing at home in her recovery following her surgery. She's doing very well. Her sister left on Thursday, and so now it is time for us, her sisters and brothers in faith, and her faithful deacons to step up and offer her her care. So please continue to remember Lucy in your prayers. And if you might help in offering a meal for her, please see me following worship. We celebrated this morning at 9 o'clock worship the baptism of J Daniel Leonard Heflin. Praise be to God for the welcoming and the marking of this young boy into our congregation and God's care. Our concerns continue with Solvig Pedersen, who remains in Elmhurst Hospital for almost two weeks now. With continued pain in her leg, she is receiving therapy and welcomes your short visits and your cards and phone calls. Barbara Siligmuller continues to recover from broken ribs. Kim Levenka is recovering from both foot surgery and an infection following that surgery. Please remember Kim in your prayers. Meg Snyder's father, whose name is Gordon, will be having a triple bypass surgery later this week in Milwaukee, and Meg asks for your prayers. We remember Carol and Wes daughter and son of Gloria Mundell, as they gathered here with family and friends on Friday for Gloria's memorial service. Thanks be to God for the witness of Gloria in all of our lives. Gordon Crombie's cousin, Betty Mitchell, passed away this week, and we remember the Mitchell family. And Dylan Ream asked for prayers for his grandmother as she may be moving into her final days on this earth. Will you join me, please, in prayer? Magnificent and holy God, you are our God and we are your people. You did not merely create us and leave us to our own devices. Rather, you have a special place for each of us in your very heart. 
We are loved and fully accepted by you, our heavenly parent. We rejoice that you have called us and desire to live in relationship with us all our days. God, whose love for us is beyond our understanding, send us your advocate. Send your Holy Spirit to illumine us. We long for answers to the questions, what is our purpose? What are we to do next? How might this conflict be resolved? Bless us with your peace and a deep and real sense of your leading so that what we do, how we think, and our relationships with others may be a faithful following of your desire for us. God, who is the very artist that painted the heavens and sculpted the mountains, we pray for your entire earth, for every drop of rain, the warmth of the sun on our shoulders, the cool breezes of evening, and the splendor of gardens. You give these gifts not for our soul or selfish use, but for the endless generations and all time. Plant in us a deep sense of responsibility to make conscious choices to preserve your creation. Ruler of the universe, we pray for the kings, diplomats, presidents, tribal leaders, secretaries of state, and assemblies of decision makers. May your guiding hand frame decisions, and may neighboring nations build partnerships based on respect, and may the desire for power be held at bay. Be especially with the people of Iraq as they move closer to self-government. Be present in Afghanistan and Pakistan where war is ramping up. Be in the building of peace between clans of people engaged in hatred and discrimination in China. Give courage and opportunity to Chicago gang members so that they may break free of the cycles of violence. We pray for all those seeking new employment, that skills and talents may be matched with need. We pray also for those that are overworked, pressured to work more hours and travel more days for the privilege of keeping a job. And we pray especially for recent graduates longing to put into action all they have learned. God of all opportunities, open the doors and show us the way. Compassionate one, we thank you for the healing and wholeness brought to Lucy. We pray for the recovery of Solvig, Kim, Katie, and Barbara. We humbly ask for you to be with Meg Snyder's father, Gordon, during his surgery this week. Be ever near Carol and Anita, Lynn, George, John, Gordon, and Kristen. Be with Dylan's grandmother and may your peace give her comfort in these days. And now with the strength of conviction, we boldly pray as you taught us saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As we gather at this table of our Lord and Savior, I remind you um, a, a little about the context of John Calvin's life. He grew up in France, studied there, but he was banned from ever returning from France. It would have meant his, at least his imprisonment and probably his death. So he ended up living in Switzerland for the rest of his life. But that's kind of a context that surrounds his understanding of predestination and election, that, that God has predestined his people one day, finally, to not be aliens, but to come home, to come home with him forever. That's what we celebrate at this meal as well today. This is a homecoming meal. It reminds us of the banquet feast in heaven that awaits us all one day when we who are really aliens in this place, this planet even, will be gathered finally with our God and all those whom God has elected throughout time. Come to this table that reminds us of a time is coming when there will be no more separation, no more goodbye but only the intimacy of a great family reunion. On that night when he was gathered with his disciples, Jesus took the loaf of bread and gave thanks for it. And he broke it. And said to them, This is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat this and remember me. In the same way, he took a coffin. As he pointed to his disciples, he said, This is the new coffin in my blood, shed for the remission of sins. Drink it all of you and remember us. Today we're going to celebrate communion by intention, in which the last one to come forward is able to the center of aisle and take a piece uh, off the loaf and then dip it into the cup and then move the last spot and then return to the cube. If we can't come forward, we'll be happy to come to this garden.
come and see, come receive, come receive, come and live, come and live forever.
place today, know that the one who has called you from the beginning of the time, from the beginning of time, is with you always, in this place, and wherever you may go. Your God is behind you, in front of you, and on all sides. The love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, today and always. Amen. Let's stand for our last song this afternoon, this morning, <laughs> the afternoon. <laughs> Two, three, four. You are all in all. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the
Go in peace and serve the Lord and have a fantastic week. God bless.